Tiger Revenge, brought to you by Warning, you are now entering the Blue Tiger Den, the intellectual dark web of comic book podcasting. Revenge is upon you. Hit the music. That's right. We're back for another episode of the greatest comic book podcast you might not be aware of. I am comic book creator <laughs> Tad Galusha. With me is, well, he used to be the king of beards, but he's stripped of his crown. Literally, the beard is gone. <laughs> you know him. I love him. The heart and soul. Big Brian Bales. How's it going, Big Brian? It's good. We are, well, at least I am on location in uh the best comic shop in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Gabby's Olympic Cards and Comics, here with our special guest, Eric Troutman. What's going on, man? Uh, you know, um, I'm still unpacking the intro a little. Uh, <laughs> we get that a lot. Yeah. Um, the longest intro of any podcast. It's great, though. I like that kind of the John Carpenter theme music, like, really works. Uh, yeah. That's very much my, my vibe. Yeah, my brother actually made that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, that's good uh, yeah, times. Yeah. We uh, I keep SoundCloud. I keep I keep debating because I'm never going to make it shorter. I'm only going to make it longer. You know, as we go on. Attaboy. So Attaboy. at some point, it's going to be a 10 minute long intro. That's the goal. He's <laughs> <laughs> just here and have so a smoke Eric, while I'm waiting. Yeah, uh, we should probably tell our listeners you're a comic book writer and you've got a new book coming out from Image Comics. Yeah. Um, I am indeed a comic book writer, um, and don't hold that against me. Um, uh, yeah, March 15th, uh, the new book uh, is coming out from Image Comics. It's uh, co-written, co-created by myself and Greg Rucka, and uh, co-created and illustrated by Mike Henderson, who's done like Daredevil and Deadman yeah. Logan and Nailbiter. Um, wow. So what yeah, can I tell you about called it? Forged, right? Yep, it's called right. The Forged. Um, the we Forged. found out okay. very late in the process that there's another comic called Forged. Oh, really? Um, oh. Yeah, but we got a Great. hold of the, the the creator of the other title and said, well, if we change it to The Forged, is that sufficient? And we're, you know, we were just, it was just an accident. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were super cool about it. Um, so uh, I'm going to throw a plug out for their book, if, if you yeah, don't mind. Of course, yeah. uh, it's called Forged, uh, <laughs> and it's out there. You can find it online. I don't have the link handy, but um, I can we'll, send it to you, and you we'll, can put yeah, it in the we'll show notes. Yeah, we'll put a link too. in the show notes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, hey, thanks for being cool about the title snafu. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think my favorite thing, uh, when you introduce yourself as a comic writer every other time, you always, your claim to fame is, I'm the guy who put the pants on Vampirilla. Yeah, I did that. Uh, are you uh, still living that down? I haven't gotten any hate mail in a while, uh, but I will say the lack of quantity of the hate mail I have received mm-hmm. is far outweighed by the quality of it. Uh, my favorite, my favorite dig about that was that because I, I put pants on Vampirella, I was, and I quote, a Hitler. <laughs> he comes in six packs, I guess. Uh, yeah. Oh yep. Wow. Wow. I mean, were they at least stylish pants? I, I put her in Red Armani, like seven foot tall vampire warrior woman in Red Armani. You're telling me that's not attractive? That, it's Yeah, that sounds great. I'm good with it. People, yeah. Yeah. People didn't dig it, huh? Um, hardcore fans of the title that there were so many of <laughs> that the original owners sold the property uh, to Dynamite. Um, they were not happy with it, but uh, I found huh. we, we, we hit other readers just fine. Yeah. Um, you know, the do, do the first put, issue came out and it was like the number one non um what did they call I forget how the diamonds like non premiere like Marvel and DC right, o- right outside of that we were the number one indie title the That's month awesome. it came out um oh wow yeah it, wow. it did some serious numbers and I was very pleased about that um that that's awesome yeah I mean, it is kind of interesting fandom right um uh, I've only had one real brush with it uh huh brush get wow. it wow uh, wow there it yeah. is uh when i when i worked on godzilla briefly they warned me the company was like hey the fans take it real seriously if your godzilla doesn't look 
how they perceive Godzilla to look, they're going to let you know. So just be prepared. And luckily I was the exact, everything was, you know, like great, you know, like the, <laughs> the, everyone was very nice. Um, but it was still one of those where I was like, Oh shit. Like if I don't, if I don't resonate in a way, like this could be like, I could get hammered online. <laughs> this is going to not be fun. <laughs> I learned real early on to just avoid forums altogether. I, uh, it's good advice. Yeah. I, uh, when I was doing the shield for DC comics, which was, uh, uh, a new version of an old, uh, Simon Kirby comic, mm-hmm. sort of their predecessor to captain America. So he's a patriotic superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and in the, in the DC iteration, he was active duty U S military on top of it. So, okay. uh, which was interesting. It's like, Oh, he's active duty and he's a Lieutenant. He's a butter bar. So he's not, uh, <laughs> he's a nobody. He's not given a lot of orders. Yeah. He's taking no. a lot of orders yeah. and dealing with resentment from like higher up officers who were like, I have to hear my weapon system talk back to me, and I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. And uh, and on one, I think it was on Bleeding Cool. There were two comments in a forum about it, uh, where one of them said, "Well, of course it's Troutman, who's a known Zionist propagandist." <laughs> and then the following comment was talking about what a Nazi I was, and I was like, "Huh." That's an odd juxtaposition. This, uh, that's not how I would describe yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, that's uh, that is quite quite the write-up oh, yeah like, yeah um, yeah i gotta I, be honest man i don't know if i would take that like i would be real upset that would really mess up my day <laughs> i'm not gonna lie and say i loved it but uh <laughs> um it was just so absurd on the face of it that i could laugh it off um, sure and that's probably the healthiest response i could have had to it and to just stop looking at the forums that was sort of the yeah. end of my paying attention to that stuff i always i always feel like if, if you get hate mail that's when you know you made it yeah so that's right because we got right. we got some hate mail a few years ago uh Shout out to the Tiger Tiger Cubs for coming to Bry's rescue. You know what's funny, though, is Bry and I had the same opinion. Nobody came after me. It was all like Bry, that bearded Yeah, I got called a bearded brick. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It made my day. It made my day. Because I didn't like, like, what what was it, the Swamp Thing show? I didn't like this. We didn't like the Swamp Thing show. Yeah, we just kind of gave like a... Just an honest, like, oh, you know, it looked great, but it just wasn't for us, really. Or yeah. Okay. Interview say. over. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you have independent thought in your own opinion? Can't. Like, I know. I, that's God a thing me. in modern fandom that drives me nuts, and I see it a lot, particularly in Star Wars fandom. Yes. And I, my Star Wars years as a guy who created Star Wars stuff, I was a, I worked yeah. on the role playing game a million years ago, um, and that used to be my bread and butter was mm-hmm. paying attention to that kind of stuff. And now I'm liberated from that. But just the, you know, uh, I didn't like this thing. Therefore, it is the worst thing ever. And, right. and I hate you for liking it. It's like my reaction to stuff I don't like now um, is much more like, ah, okay, I'll watch something else. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, just yeah. move on, guys. Touch some grass. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hate text Tad if I hate something. But, you know, that stays. it stays there. Or we'll make fun of it on the show, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. I just yeah. having more transparency now as a fifty-something guy yeah. um, into what it takes to get something made. Oh yeah, it certainly like in my younger days, in my twenties and thirties, where I I could still manage to get mad about stuff like that. It's like getting something made is like winning, hitting the Powerball seven times in a row. Right. And like, right. Okay. Right. So it made it out the door. That's a miracle in and of itself. And yeah, yeah it's a steaming pile or whatever. But it's like, well, it didn't hurt me. Right, <laughs> I can't just watch something else or stop watching this thing, or yeah, and I don't understand. Of, and a ton it. of people worked really hard on it, yeah. so yeah, know. it's a interesting. What's that quote? Is like no one sets out to make a bad movie, no. right? You know, but it just it kind of happens once in a while. You just do your best, you know. It's it's like trying to govern how popcorn is going to pop inside an air popper. Like yeah. you, you can't, you know, you you just kind of apply the heat. And watch what happens and try and make the best out of wrangling the stray kernels the best you can. And, yeah, yeah. and that's the process. And it's like, well, that's insane. Um, right. <laughs> that's utter insanity that anything ever comes out and it's even at all coherent is is a miracle. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I've, I've had a ringside seat, and I'm not going to tell any tales out of school about this, but I've had a ringside seat to Rucka's, Greg Rucka's experiences in Hollywood. Sure. And, yeah. and I got to tell you, uh, he and I have this conversation quite frequently where he's telling me, well, here's today's studio absurdity or here's today's weirdness or, you know, um, and I was just like, I'd already be dead. 
I, yeah. I'd, I'd have my own bumper graphic and theme music on CNN for the eventual manhunt. I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't make it. I don't, you know, God love him for doing it. Yeah. I, I just, I do not have the temperament to put up with it and I don't have the interest and I'm sure the money's great. Um, but yeah, I actually met, uh, Greg, um, he doesn't remember me or anything, but they did, they did, uh, when, uh, Stumptown came out mm-hmm. at, uh, uh, Rose city comic-con, uh, we, ha- I had a press badge back then. And so they did a little, uh, like a, uh, Q and a, they did a pre, they premiered it and then did a Q and a afterwards cool. with all of the actors and actresses who came out. And that was, uh, really neat to be able to just ask everybody questions about the show. That was real. That was pretty neat. He, uh, do you mind a, a Stumptown story? I would love to. I, I enjoyed I the show. So. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. So uh, I was in town. I was in Portland visiting Greg. We were actually talking about The Forged. That's how long we've been talking about this this title for oh, wow. for 10 years-ish um, before we both finally kind of – we took several runs at it and it didn't work. Yeah. And we just kept coming back to it and finally bringing Mike aboard. We we figured it out and broke it and could go on. But I was down there talking to him about uh, about The Forged. And his phone was blowing up because they had started location photography for the pilot in mm-hmm. Portland for some of it. Um, and uh, he kept getting these updates, some production assistant yeah. kept saying, um, okay, well, we're at, uh, you know, we're at this site and we're going to be here from, you know, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. or, or whatever. And, right. And, uh, and Greg had to keep interrupting the meeting to take these calls and he was getting really frustrated. Um, and I'm like, what are you talking about? They're making your TV show, man. Like, have some fun with it. He's like, well... And he explained to me that typically when the writer guy um, mm-hmm. from a, from the source property that's being adapted, when they're brought on set, it's a very controlled thing, right? Right. Um, and it's, it's very scripted in a lot of ways because they don't want the writer or co-creator of the property to walk onto the set and go, you're doing it all wrong and making sure. people feel bad and disrupting sure. things. And it makes perfect sense. And he, he's not that guy. Yeah. Um, he gets it. He understands the job and he understands his role in it. It's like, my job isn't to show up and, and rock the boat. Um, but this production assistant was, was kind of insistent, like, well, you at least have to show up for this part. And, and Greg finally called him. I was like, look, man, I, my, my visit is scheduled for Friday. I don't want to disrupt anything. I don't want to cause any problems. He's like, Greg, we're crashing the car. You got to come. Oh, oh, I, I know that scene you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I was on set for that. He was like, well, you want to go? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, you um, were there? Yeah, he brought me with him. Um, well, because I had driven down yeah. to Portland. He's like, yeah. well, you're here. And he cleared it with the production folks. And not a one of them could have been sweeter. They were all... Every like, I've been on a few sets in in my day. I have never seen the Teamsters walking around looking like they're having fun. You know, sure, like everybody yeah, yeah. was having a good time. Um, you know, we That's talked cool. to the director and we talked to the assistant director and the stunt coordinator guy was there and they brought us out to lunch at their commissary after and stuff. But the highlight for me was that Kobe Smalters showed up. Sure, and she is so much cooler in person than even you think. That's She's awesome. The nicest lady. Um, was fascinated that my wife owns a comic store and like wanted to talk all about that. And then, yeah, very cool. And then we watched them wreck this car (laughs) far more effectively than they intended to turns out. (laughs) So it was, it was fantastic. It was a great afternoon. I would, if if you have the means, I recommend picking one up. Uh, uh, You know, I would love to, you know, someday, someday, someday. Uh, Speaking of, of Greg, uh, since you, you co-wrote the forge with him, uh, could you maybe kind of dissect that process? Because, you know, like, uh, you know, it's interesting when you have multiple writers on a project. Like, how do you guys, you know, like section up, I guess, the responsibilities and the structuring of the script? Uh, Greg and I started co-writing on uh, the DC comic series Checkmate in like 2006 or 2007. I remember that book. Yeah. Um, and uh, my role in a lot of that um, – was when we would start to break an issue. Um, it was his title. He was the lead guy on the title. I was definitely the guy he was bringing along. So he would outline, well, here's what I want to do. And if certain things would occur to me, um, I'd mention them. And then we'd riff and we'd riff and we'd, you know, we'd finally find the shape of the issue. And then we would just sit in his garage uh, and divvy up pages well you're gonna write this and i'm gonna do this scene and you need three pages for that and i need five pages for this and you know and we'd literally break down 
who's doing what pages specifically. And then we'd horse trade like, ah, this scene would be so much better if I could just have one more page. Mm-hmm, um, cool. And in a 22 page comic, you know, you, you gotta be really economical right. from top to bottom. Um, but we've just been doing it so long. I don't know if we have a system anymore so much as, well, you're going to do your thing on these pages and then I'm going to do my stuff over here. And it was just like, um, usually the easiest way to tell where the, the, the author changes hands in the final piece is if you see a line of dialogue start on the bottom of one page and you turn the page and that dialogue completes in a caption at the top of the next page. Yeah. That's oh, where we handed it off. Like I will, you know, if, if I'm handing a page off, I'll write that setup line and its resolution and then he will move into it and vice versa. That's how we kind of quietly paper over the cracks. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But it, we've known each other for so long and have worked together so many times that like Greg is the first to admit he is not super comfortable with action sequences, which is insane because he writes some really good ones. Yeah, um, I'm much more comfortable dealing with with that kind of stuff. Um, he's much more character focused. Um, I like to think I am as well, probably not to that degree, but I learned it from him. Like his Interesting. early on, just talking with him about like when he was working on Wonder Woman, he never called her Wonder Woman. She was always Diana, and it wasn't like an affect. It wasn't like a, you know, it's just, he didn't think of her as the persona. He thought of her as the person. And that right. was very educational to me. And I, and I, I try to very much understand my characters before I've put one word out on the page. Um, mm. uh, in the case of the forged, um, I feel like we're both pushing, pushing each other to do, um, crazier, bigger, louder, kickier punchier shootier you know yeah um, oh yeah yeah um because that's that's um i I, i've I've done a terrible job explaining the property now that i think of it well that's Um, okay i was gonna get into it so we'll get into that yeah Yeah, tell us about it tell us everything (laughs) uh it's uh the whole thing started with greg and i at one point going i just want to do something pulpy i want to do you know like indiana jones or you know i i just want to do big retro kick explodey fun stuff. Um, and, uh, that had appealed to him as well because that to be fair is not a thing he's known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's certainly capable of it and certainly likes it, but, uh, he's tended towards more serious fare for a lot of his career. Um, and, uh, so that started the whole, well, let's, what kind of pulp? And, uh, we don't want to do Indiana Jones with the serial numbers filed off. We want to do, right. But we want to do that kind of big, broad, fun, yeah. kind of carefree storytelling, um, but still have it have stakes and weight. And so over the course of the development, um, uh, we've, we've got this setting that's about eleven to 14,000 years in the future. We're not entirely sure which, and it doesn't really matter. Sure. <laughs> um, basically, it allows us to have technology that can basically do whatever magical thing we need it right, to do. Right. Um, and it's an all-female team of uh, space soldiers in – you know, horribly powerful, um, power armor that are the elite, um, the elite soldiers of this intergalactic empire ruled by an empress who may in fact be immortal. She's current, she's ruled for tens of thousands of years. Um, and they're all clones based on her basic genetic template. Um, there's variation of body type and skin color and all of that because you want to keep, the 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 supply of of soldiers um fresh right, <laughs> and right allow for innovation um so the vast majority of infantry in this setting the officers and the naval guys are not typically clones but uh the uh the infantry are all um largely derived from um the imperial bloodline are, um, are the infantry are they all female too uh not necessarily um they're but they're, they're all be, like genetic yeah, like versions of the the goddess. Yeah, um, and there's also room for volunteers and enlistees and, and so forth. But okay. um, so because uh, you're talking about an, an empire that spans tens of thousands of worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, um, and has ruled with an iron fist for centuries. Um, but within the basic um, clone stock, if you will, a select like one percent of those have the right skills and qualifications and abilities and aptitudes to become a forged soldier. Um, So these are like the upper 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the soldiers. And then among that group, there's an even smaller percentage that uh, have precognitive and telepathic abilities that we call Cassandra's. Um, 
So uh, where where did you come up with that name? Why why Cassandra? Does that play into the into the story or? Uh, well, I, Cassandra is uh, uh, Greek mythology, I think, or Roman mythology. Okay, I, Greg, Greg picked the name. Okay, um, <laughs> but uh, that are oracles essentially. They're, oh, they're the okay. ones who foretell the big yeah, dreams yeah, that yeah, are coming yeah. and so on. Um, so that's sort of our basic setting and. Uh, the story opens with our team being dispatched to a far-flung remote hell world where the atmosphere is methane and it rains broken glass. You know, it's just awesome. awful yeah. to recover um, any survivors in the mission recorder of a downed um, spaceship, which it's like sending the Green Berets to, to help kids cross a, a, a crosswalk, right? right? It's like this is a weird mission. And through the course of the first issue, you find out. And also on this giant warship that they're dispatching to send this one tiny little team to this far-off planet, which is also weird, that there's a Cassandra on board. Um, ah. And uh, this mission may not be what it seems. And in in, in the course of these three issues, um, we will find out that they un- unveil a new threat and a secret that could end the Empire. Um, cool. I'm in. How, I'm, I'm in. How big – How <laughs> I guess, uh, how many issues are you thinking this is going to be? Well, we're treating each storyline as a three-issue arc. Um, these are oversized okay. issues. They're, I mean, aside from being a larger format, they're the magazine format, kind of like the Sweet. black label stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, they're, also, they're also way bigger page count than a normal 22-page comic. There's uh, like 45 to 55 pages of story per issue. Oh, wow. And then a ton of back matter. Like the first issue, there's like, you know, a dossier of one of the main characters and a brief history of how their armor works. And here's the star map of a small piece of the empire and where they're going. And, uh, um, all sorts of cool stuff like that. Um, our letter column is going to be hosted by, the uh, the AI that they have in their suits. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. The, oh, very cool. Uh, uh, the Evolved Virtual Intelligence and Logistics Unit, evil. So evil. You, write in, <laughs> you write into the letter column to ask evil. Um, he's got a Twitter account, too. I'll, I'll include that. So oh, please do. Heck, notes. yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry, she. Uh, evil is a she. Um, but... Uh, um, so, yeah, that's our, that's our crazy story. So our, our hope is... Provided the first issues don't sell horribly and yeah. are a dismal failure, um, we have a, we have an end point in mind mm-hmm. and a million things we can do getting there. Um, so everything will be either well. We just started talking about maybe doing some one shots later, but three issue arcs. So yeah. basically, we'll do three monthly issues, month off, trade paperback, month off, three monthly issues, um, and we're already finishing the final outline for issue six. So um, cool, and you know everything up to issue five is written. And uh, one of the interesting challenges we're having with the series is that uh, Mike draws way faster than we write. And, uh, oh, so it, problem, which is man. a problem I have never, ever, 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 ever had before. He's like a unicorn. Yeah. I want to have him. Bronze. Me either. I've never had that problem before either. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Brian? No, nothing. I didn't, you know, hey. Oh, I got this. I know what he was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's great. Mike is great, but it is occasionally like, dude, you got to pump the brakes a little, man. I, 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 <laughs> I need lunch, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, so I, yeah. I, I, um, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, well, it's such an interesting format and approach to, I guess, the, the comic medium. Because, you know, like typically people, it's, you know, even when you talk to publishers, right? They're just like, well, what's the 22 pages? How many issues? Um, you guys are doing something very unique that you don't see very often. How did that the pitch process go when you went to them like, oh, we want to do it magazine size? Instead of, a t- you know, we want it to be 50-page installments uh, over three-issue arcs. Like, how did that uh, How did that go over at Image? Were they just like, yeah, let's do it? Uh, I wasn't there when Greg talked to the publishers. Um, okay. I, think, I think he was talking with Eric Stevenson, but I don't know. Um, but I think the old guard was selling so well thanks to the movie, they went, sure, do whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess it helps to be fairly um, successful yeah. in the uh, the venues that you've uh, you well, put out. <laughs> and and to be fair, Image is, in my experience, pretty receptive. Like once you, you um, once you're kind of in the door and you're talking with these folks, they're all very enthusiastic about comics yeah. at large, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So 
just saying, well, why do we want to do this? Because we think it'll be cooler is often a good answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yes. you know, and there's a certain logic to that, right? Like if your creative team is super jazzed and really right. enthused, you're probably going to get better work than, uh, we'll just do the same old, same old, which right. is not images mode anyway, but right. you know, that's a whole separate discussion. Right. But, um, but yes, having, having, uh, trade paperbacks burning up the bestseller charts based on on the hit motion picture sure didn't hurt the pitch process yeah, no so. no right. not at all not at all i i love hearing that because you know like pitching is always one of those things that uh man when something takes it's great but it can you know i mean as you, you've probably been down that road like it can be uh you know a bit of a uh a, a sl- like a, a slog if, if you will you know what i mean oh yeah Oh yeah. I, yeah. it's one, aside from invoicing, it's my least favorite, um, <laughs> my least favorite yeah. part of the process. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Somewhere there's a mythical comic industry where I write a very detailed outline that gets fuzzier and fuzzier and ends up with me telling the editor, Oh, trust me, it'll be great. And it, it works out. Like that's kind of my dream job. Right. But, there you uh, go. Um, oh. That would be wonderful. That would <laughs> right? be. It's so beautiful. I can see it in my mind. Yeah. So, I, I recently, uh, I, I'm finishing up a project right now and um, I have a few contacts over at dark horse and um, yeah, I can tell the story, I guess, but I think I had, it was the fastest pitch process in ever, maybe in the history of comics. I I asked them, Hey, you guys interested in in this project? And they go, "Um, yeah, what is it? Send it on over. We're going to do tabling today. So I sent over something and they're like, yeah, yeah. Send the rest. So I sent everything over. And then like within 15 minutes, they came back. We're like, yeah, we're we're going to pass on it. This isn't for us. And I was like, okay, cool. But you know, it was kind of, um, it was kind of refreshing, you know, cause you weren't like just sitting. Yeah. You, you waiting. got, you got a mail back, right? Like that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. That's something the I whole, pitched. Something the I whole pitched thing to happened out. in like an hour. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even upset. I'm not bummed out. Like, okay, this is yeah. great. <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear back on a pitch I made to Oni in, uh, 2007. I think they've been sold like six yeah, times. No, from that, the- <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. James Lucas Jones is no longer with the yeah. company, so I expect maybe now he's got time to read it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, that's awesome. Not only not only being a comic writer, you 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 co-own this awesome comic shop. Um, now, one of the questions I always have, it always answers me for comic shop owners, because like for me. I, I'm a collector. I love to collect, you know, vintage books, sometimes figures. Um, are you a collector? <laughs> uh, my wife would, I wish my wife were here in this room to answer that question because it would just be sobbing. Yes. Yes, I am. Um, I, uh, she made me swear off buying individual issues unless, you know, it's specifically like a single issue, like one off kind of thing, or it's a friend's work that I want to support. Right. Um, just because we, we don't have room in our house for all my crap. Um, I do statues. I do one six scale action figures. I have, we, we both collect original art. Awesome. Um, what's, what's like your, do, do you have like, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? We can break it down by categories. Yeah, too. let's do it. Yeah, yeah, you're asking yeah. me to choose my favorite children. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite comic that you have? Your favorite collected piece, comic that you have? So probably, and this is a weird answer. Um, I love the old um, DC and Marvel treasury sized. Oh yeah, giant yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, the Jack Kirby 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's oh. a terrible condition. It's all yellowed, and I reread it at least three times a year because it's crazy um it it bears almost no resemblance to the movie it's just jack kirby doing his chariots of the gods this is all we want that's all we want yeah Uh, yeah so the the lack of connection to the source material amuses me greatly Uh, (laughs) as a guy who for many years like i was a licensing guy i was like that's the kind of thing that would have made me nuts if a publisher had done that yeah um so i just like thinking somewhere at some point, Stanley Kubrick was just gnashing his teeth and rending his garments at what was done, right? Yeah. And I, that's that's beautiful. It's just beautiful. That's great. Um, what what about figure? What's your favorite? What's your favorite figure that you have? Um, Gab had done a custom one six scale figure kit bash of uh, a character from an old video game that I worked on called Crimson Skies. I remember that game. Yeah, it's a great so, game. Um, she had so. 
in addition to it being a cool pulpy action hero six scale figure um my wife my well my then girlfriend made it for me so i was like that's, that's kind of cool. awesome um, yeah the, other than that i have a I have uh, the sideshow Indiana Jones with opposable eyes. Um, I love that one. I wanted that um, one. Um, I really like all the Captain America ones I've picked up. Um, I have most of them until about Endgame. So like the World War oh, II wow. yeah, Cap, yeah. I like an awful lot. Um, Are you a big Cap fan? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, same. He was my that was my my gateway drug. Cap Wolf was his gateway Cap, drug. Cap Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, weird, weird gateway drug. Yeah, got that's, me, got me hooked. But that's I, I can I can respect it though. That's, I uh, uh, my my favorite figure. I've got the the sideshow uh, uh, Keaton Batman. Oh, nice from like 2012. Yeah, we've actually got it at em- I found it at Emerald City a couple of years ago and uh, got a good price on it and uh, even had like I was walking around with it and I had other vendors like try and buy it from me. Yep. Um, but they're coming out with they're they're redoing it because because yeah. obviously because of the Flash movie. But uh, I I did order the giant eighty nine Batmobile that's coming with it. Yeah, um, it's like four <laughs> feet long. They had the Hot Toys one. I remember we got a few of those in. I got to admit that was uh, that was where my faith in Hot Toys was shaken a little. Really? I, I, I just oh, I, I'm not trying to to, to, oh, no. to rain on your parade. I'm sorry. Oh no. <laughs> well, the problem was there was rain. a manufacturing issue. <laughs> rain thunder, please yeah. stop it. Uh, <laughs> There was a manufacturing issue in the original one, so a lot of them just showed up out of the package with a huge scratch on them. Oh, no. And their response corporately, like, on the one hand, it's like, well, that's unfortunate, but obviously you're going to take steps to fix this. Right. right. And they went, nope. Wow. And that was where I was like, oh. Wow. Um, I do have their Back to the Future DeLorean. Yeah. Uh, and it's beautiful. Okay. Right? So they, they redeemed themselves. Well, I'm hoping. I, 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 got was, my fingers, I got my fingers crossed that they, that they do right by yeah. me. I, I, I suspect they lost their shirt on that original Batmobile and have taken steps this time to, to, to protect against that. But, yeah. That's the hope. Yeah. That's the hope. What about original art? What's your favorite piece of original art that you I, got? I have a page from Transmetropolitan signed oh. by the author and, and the artist. Um, Very cool. And wow. it's, uh, it's, I don't know if you know the series, but there's a moment. Um, I'm familiar with it. Uh, so when he's doing the reporting, uh, Spider-Jerusalem is doing the reporting on the Angels 8 riot. He's doing the big thing on the roof of the building with mm-hmm. the lightning behind him and stuff. That's the page I have. Cool. That's a great wow. page. That's awesome. Um, that is my favorite page. Uh, I also have a, a page from, uh, it's, it's the first page of Shooters, um, the Graphic yeah. novel that I co-wrote with yeah. Brandon Jerwa that Steve Lieber drew. Yeah, that's hanging on a place of honor very in, cool. in my collection. Um, oh, cool. Lieber, he's a legend. I love that guy. <laughs> he's one of my favorite guys in comics. He really is. He, he might be uh, maybe the one of the greatest contributor to the industry alive right now, in yeah. my opinion. I know that's a bold statement, but just in terms of like how many like careers he's helped kick off. How much guidance he he's given to not and only he still does it. creators yeah. but publishers? Yeah, he's still doing it. He's still doing portfolio reviews, yeah. you know, once a week and stuff. I mean, and he he doesn't ask amazing. anything for it. He's just he just does yep. it to just to help people. It's amazing. Steve has more pure love for the medium than almost anyone I've ever encountered in comics, and everybody I've encountered in comics really loves the medium. That's yeah. that's um, yeah. You know, the, the only people I think of who probably come close are are uh, like Wade and Music, like. <laughs> there may be the only two that can hold a candle to how much he loves drawing. He loves the art. He loves the medium and mm-hmm. what a student he is of it. You know, um, he's just one of my favorite people in comics. Uh, it will embarrass him mightily to hear that. But, uh, <laughs> that'll be fun right. too. That's that'll all right. Yeah. I embarrass him all the time. It's fine. Just being, just being <laughs> just, around. Just I being you, just being you. Yeah. 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 Is it? Yeah. So is it hard like owning a shop and like, you know, you guys got a good vintage book collection, and something comes in, and you're like, "Oh shit! Oh, like I, I want that!" Like, <laughs> uh, like how many? How many of those have you snagged up? I don't tend. There's not a lot of vintage books that I'm I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and what I'm looking for is stuff I can read. I don't want to slab it and hang it on a wall. Sure. I, I want to read it. So. Often Thank what you. I'm looking for. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I rip all my action figures out of their packaging and throw the packaging away. Yeah, I'm doing let it my breathe, part. Man, let it breathe. Let it breathe. Yeah. I agree with I agree with that. Thank yeah. you. My, I'm doing my part to increase the value of everyone else's collection. Uh, that is well, a I service I that. provide at no additional charge. <laughs> um, 
I, the stuff I'm always looking for is the quarter bin garbage nobody cares about. You yeah. Know? Like, I have uh, so many, like, of the old um, DC, like, sword and sorcery books. Okay. From back in the day, like, Claw the Unconquered and Arax, Son of Thunder. And I, this isn't a garbage book. No, they were all fun books, but, uh, like, The Warlord. Mike Grell's The Warlord. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see one of those, I can't not pick it up. Or the original run of... Uh, it, the Marvel, the adventures of Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah. These are, these are not classics of, of, <laughs> of high comic art, Yeah, but my God, they're yeah. fun. I'm uh, trying to find the Marvel, uh, Marvel run of the a team. I think it's only three issues yeah. I'm trying to find it. That's, that's my, that's what I'm looking for. When we go to comic content, I'm looking yeah. for the three okay. run a team. We might have some of that. Did you ever explore any of like the Dell comics or any of that? Like the, like I, I've read most of like the Dell universal monsters, which again, were like horrible, I don't know if anybody actually working on those books actually watched the Universal Monster movies, but they were all supposed to be, you know, some kind of like IP comic of that, and it, they failed miserably. <laughs> I was more of a gold key guy. Um, so, like, okay. their adaptations of the Twilight Zone and their Star Trek comics, which are like, these, yeah, eh, there's one panel, I think, where they just didn't know which end of the Enterprise was the top, so <laughs> they drew it upside down. Like, it was. <laughs> Awful, awful books, and I, I love, love them that. unreservedly. I love that though. Um, Didn't Gold Key do a really great um, King Kong adaptation though? They may have. I, I'm not familiar I, I with. I want to say they oh. did like a 44, and it was like magazine size. I've never actually like held it, but I've read about it. It may you know have been what I mean? based on the King Kong remake from the 70s. I think you're right. Um, I, I, oh, like I, the Dino De Laurentiis Kong. I'm sorry, the Dino De yeah, Laurentiis Kong. I, I, yeah, my, that would be about the right era. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've never seen it. But now, now I have a new thing to look for. So there to answer your question, right. if one of those shows up in the store, I'm going home with it. But, uh, <laughs> um, I love it. I, the hard part, it's less so for my wife, because Gab, um, uh, the store is. I should probably plug the store. The store is Gabby's Olympic Cards and Comics in Lacey, yeah. Washington. Um, Gab has uh, this year will mark the 30th year she's worked at the store. It's um, amazing. It was her first job wow. when she was 15. She owned the place by the time she was 18 while putting herself through school early on an athletic Ooh. scholarship and teaching. Like, I get tired seeing that sentence, right? Um, she bought the store as an 18-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a dollar and all the stores backed up, which Whoa. was not inconsiderable. Um, I feel like there's a book right th- – there's a movie right there. Yeah. Um, she gets super embarrassed when I when I talk about this stuff too. So, uh, well, she's the best, so yeah. it's okay, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, she's a hard charger. Um, she's not a stuff person, ironically. Like mm-hmm. she has a few things she collects. She loves Lilo and Stitch, so she's always getting little Stitch action figures and tchotchkes and paraphernalia. Um, she's nice. definitely more of a let's go somewhere and have an experience person. Yeah. Um, where I'm, uh, hey, I want to stay in my bunker with all my toys and comics, but all right, same here. Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, um, so yeah, the biggest challenge is, uh, like Christmas and birthdays and stuff. Like mm-hmm. she, I'm hard to buy for because every week when new stuff comes in, I go, okay, I want that. And I need that. And that's coming home with me. Um, <laughs> I, and, I'm dude, I'm this, we're like kindred spirits here, man. Cause I'm the same way. I mean, you know, there's, there's a right way to live life, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think there's the title of that today's episode, Excellent. the right way to live life. That's right. It is. I like Excellent. it. Excellent. I like it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I think my biggest problem right now is uh, having room for it all. We have a pretty sizable house, yeah. um, and uh, they it uh, was not well constructed. It turns out. Oh and no! The biggest issue is plumbing. We've in the last ten years have had two major destroy things floods, Ooh. and uh, we're in the middle of digging out from what we are hoping will be our final one. We're getting the entire house replumbed. Okay. Um, oh my god! Wow. Oh, wow. So like new new fixtures and new uh, like. Piping everything. So a plumbing company founded in the little town we lived in to follow this guy who was a contractor from job to job and undo all of his bad work. Oh, my um, gosh. Like we had a leak in a sink and it turned out he just used like some kind of weird steel fitting. It was like, not galvanized, not copper, not water oh resistant God. at all. It just it just kind of eroded away over time. Wow. So basically didn't abide by any no, codes. No, there were no all. codes or permits in the construction of this house as near as I can tell. Oh, um, man. So uh, I have been told you guys have a pretty awesome uh, like pond with bass in it, though. Yep, yep. that's awesome. Um, but you guys have a bass pond. Yep. Yeah, we uh, we don't we live like almost eighty miles away from the shop, 
and everybody thinks we're nuts because that's a long commute. But then they they hear about the house that we could never afford anywhere near Olympia. Like you know, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it, I, now, are you guys closer, like eighty miles into the Cascades, or south. eighty miles towards the Olympics? Uh, I'm not a mountain guy. We live near Aberdeen. <laughs> um, okay. We live yeah. we live south um, and about twenty minutes from the ocean. Um, we're in Pacific County. That's great. Okay. Um, okay. So you so you're like you're west of uh we're closer to astoria than olympia uh okay oh wow okay oh wow wow. that's it's gorgeous out there it is it It is is i live in the middle of nowhere on sizable acreage with a pond that's what i want yeah that's the dream that is the dream for me if i ever move back to pnw that's probably where i'm going to be going that area if i'm being honest close to you can you can go clam digging when it's time Mm -hmm. you can yeah that's that's it. Yeah, there's a lot to recommend it. Um, certainly the price of the real estate. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. there's no way, there's absolutely no way we had ever would have afforded this house anywhere near where we work. I, I can, I'm a homeowner in this area. I can, I can vouch for that. So it's yeah. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, Speaking I think- of ridiculous, it's starting to get close because I know, Eric, we only have you for a finite amount of time. Brian. We're good. For the course. Yeah. We're all right. Are for, we? Yeah, we're all right oh, for right now. Schedule. Oh, okay. I, I thought we were under like a strict I, like one I got, hour. I probably got I got a good like twenty minutes left before I got to pack up and get back to work. So, okay. Well, I think it's time to anyways. Just ask. I've already set it up. All right. The question, my man. All right. So lay it down. I'm I'm throwing a curveball here with this question because it's something that we talked about earlier, and I said I was going to start asking people. So, what is the better TV theme is it the A team or Magnum PI? Magnum PI in a walk. Sorry. <laughs> See, okay. Wow, that was easy. Yeah, that was easy. Now wow. the, the harder one yeah. is Night Rider or Ooh. Airwolf. Mm. That is a, oh, that is a tough. See, one. I would say Night Rider's more popular, but I didn't but ask that. <laughs> Airwolf's pretty. That's a Pretty baller epic. theme, right? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Ooh. Mike Post and Pete Carpenter. That was that was the dream team back in the day. Um, <laughs> who did both A Team and Magnum? Um, I feel. I well. I just. I feel like you don't. You don't get TV themes like that anymore. No. So you don't even get no. TV themes. No, you, anymore. you get a music sting and a logo if you're lucky. These yeah. Days, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know who? You know who had. A, a theme that was way too now this is a little bit after that this is later you know early 90s i guess that was way harder than it deserved to be power rangers the power rangers theme the way it dropped was just ridiculous yeah it's oh yeah so over the top oh yeah absolutely i'm absolutely. showing my age because i never watched that episode i yeah, have no idea what that theme is it, it, it's worth just listening to the intro music because you're like, this is a kid's cartoon, like Saturday morning, like, oh, or not cartoon, but kid's show. Yeah. So it's just, it's nothing but like a crazy, like guitar, guitar, guitar solo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Solo. Yeah. It, yeah. And it just, it drops so hard. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, um, what was it? The Fox kids, Uncanny yeah. X-Men or something. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that intro where you're and, like, this is way way heavier than it deserves this, to be. this song is so much better than this show than the actual show yeah 100 yeah. yeah. percent. and i and i know that you're a you're a guitar guy right yeah right back when my hand still worked yeah well and i know the feeling i know the feeling what's uh do you got it do you have like multiple guitars yeah. what's your favorite See, I like putting you on this. I like asking you to choose between your yeah. kids so uh i can't narrow it down to one um i have a uh uh, recently purchased uh, American professional uh, Stratocaster oh, that I love. Yes, um, and I have a uh, Paul Reed Smith uh, SE Custom Twenty Four in the 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 blue finish. That oh yeah, I love PRS guitars. Uh, unlike you know, it's one of those like well, you know, as a player. You can't you can't buy one online, right? You have to hold you gotta it in hold your it in your hand. Right? You gotta you can buy any PRS and they all play the same. That, wow. that was one of the things that I think wow. Paul Smith innovated. Like he's very precise in how holes are drilled and how things are assembled. Yeah. So there's a remarkable standardization in how they feel. Um, I mean, there's some individual variation, obviously. Sure. But in, I've never had a PRS. I've always I've always been a I've always been a Strat guy. Yeah. Uh, 
same. Uh, I have a couple of Telecasters that I, I really like too. I've got a, I, I call it my Franken Telecaster. Um, oh yeah, it's a weird red finish that you don't see on a lot of them. It's got like a double humbucker instead of and, and a single coil instead of just the single coil. Mm-hmm. This cool like platinum finish on the tuning knobs, um, and it was apparently not a very popular model, but it plays like glass. It just it's. It's just everything is so smooth on it, and the tone is—it's got a really sweet tone, and uh, I like that guitar a lot. Those are probably my top three. I like it. Yeah, you just narrow it down to uh, top three. How many do you have? If you have a top three, (laughs) Uh, counting the acoustics and the basses, uh, probably fifteen. Wow. Well, see, then you don't have to—you don't have to tune them all. You just keep one in every tune, and then you're good. Yeah, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. uh, so, like, when I was up at uh, – when I used to work up at Helioscope back when I was still in the Portland area, um, occasionally uh, Dewey and I would be working in some of the – I don't know if you know Ben Dewey. Ben Dewey? Uh, I've met him. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm certainly a fan. Um, yeah, very talented uh, uh, comic artist. Uh, but, you know, like, he would uh, inter- he would interlace his guitar riffs in while he was working. Mm-hmm. So he'd be working, you know, an hour or two, and then he'd, like, start – Walking around the studio, strumming the guitar, playing some stuff. Uh, do you do you, do you have any kind of like um, little things like that that you do to keep the creative <laughs> juices flowing when you're writing? I have two guitars in my office here. In fact, um, excellent. I have a Godin um, electric that was a weird little French or French Canadian brand, um, and it was a solid like a lot of lot of guitar for not a lot of money when I picked it up. Um, they're considerably more expensive now. Um, it's a good knock around electric guitar and I have a, an ovation six string acoustic, um, that I keep handy. Um, probably the, the thing I do, um, that's why I tend to prefer writing when nobody else is around. Um, I'll, uh, if I know what roughly the dialogue is in a scene that I want, but I want to make sure it works, I will literally walk around and act out the various parts, um, and so I'm, uh, I'm just a maniac in my house out in the woods, screaming, <laughs> yeah. you know, nonsense into into the emptiness. That's but, great, uh, though. That's it. Yeah, that was that was one of the tricks I used to keep dialogue sounding spontaneous and fresh. Um, so would you just like act out the different roles? Like, yeah. how would it? Oh, wow, that's yeah. awesome. That's um, I don't like act out the physicality of it. I'm not like throwing punches yeah. or um, anything like that. That would but, actually be a sight to see, though. Just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's, hey, what's the old sometimes Pat when you're doing choreography you gotta work yeah, out I, I don't disagree I don't disagree absolutely I think there's an old Pat Oswalt joke about how if the FBI ever bugged him I'm their Christmas album every year oh yeah absolutely that in, in the shower and in my car um, that's I always have the best ideas in the shower um, I come up yep. with the best dialogue in the car and then I refine it by walking around my kitchen screaming like a lunatic um, that's my process I love that <laughs> It's a unique. Awesome. It's a unique process, and you know, different yeah, things work for everybody. Good. So, that's I will good. say, um, there's a couple of characters in the Forged. Um, the number two person in the squad, the, the 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 woman who leads the squad, her, uh, they're all just serial numbers, but they earn their war name over time. Um, cool. And so the 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 squad leader, um, her war name is Victory Vic, um, and. Uh, the number two, the sort of the sergeant, for lack of a better term, she, uh, she her war name is Crazy Joe, and uh, Crazy Joe is my muse. It turns out that's great. Uh, the The neat thing about this series is there's enough room in in the setup and and in how it's built for. Like, I have written one of the best action sequences I've ever written. Yeah, I've wow. written at least one of, if not three, of the filthiest jokes I've ever told because it's soldiers talking like soldiers. Yep, and, yep. Uh, uh, and I've written uh, at least one of the sweetest, most sentimental scenes I've ever written. Not in the same oh, issue, but uh, over the course of the series so far. And it's just like, this is nice. That um, is cool. So, yeah. But yes, walking around and acting out some, some or, you know, and doing the dialogue, um, particularly for Crazy Joe, I'm it's like, I can't have any witnesses. I can't do it. They'll never look at me the same way again. <laughs> That's funny because uh, uh, Tad and I, our, our comic that we're doing, uh, Operation oh, Blue. Oh, here we go. Look at it. Just plug, always plug in. Effortless. Come on now. That's artful. It was know, artful. That's what I do. That's what wow. I do. You know, uh, we actually, uh, one of one of the, uh, we got a group of four uh, women soldiers as well. And one of their names is Vic. So that's oh, kind of no. funny. All right. Yeah. 
Sorry, if, sorry if I'm we're we're no, we're I love it on your stuff. So. No, not at all. I love it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no, you're stepping all over us. Oh, yeah, how dare you? But <laughs> well, we already had the title snafu. I don't. I don't. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no. I think it, I think it's cool. Yeah. I just think it, I think it's cool. Um, and you know, not only so you got the book coming out, but uh, you guys are doing a signing right here. Yes, uh, the day the book launches, March fifteenth, from That's, one to six, and and you got the whole crew coming. Yep, me, Mike, and well. Not the whole crew. Uh, we have an excellent colorist, Nolan Woodard, who was you know chosen mm-hmm. by Mike to to be the colorist, um, nice. and uh, a lovely young woman, Ariana Mayer, is our letterer, and she's a godsend. She's so good. Um, they're not local, so okay. I, um, but uh, it, it, the three co-creators will be there for sure. That's great. That's it. That's perks perks of having a comic shop, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Home court that advantage. Is- yeah. Rucka and Mike, they're they're down in Portland, yep. right? Yep. So they're okay. reasonably local. Yeah, it's a yeah. couple hours. A couple away. hours. Yeah, not too. Not well, too the way bad. Greg drives, about ninety minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's ex- that's exciting, and and they're going to be here uh, all day doing or for a couple a few hours. One to six. One. Wow. That's a- with some breaks in there, Greg. Sure. Greg will occasionally pop out and have a smoke, but sure, um, sure. Um. I'll be here all day. I'm here all day anyway. You're, you're here all day pretty much every day of the yeah. week. So. Yes, I hide in my little office in the back of the shop. But. That's all right. That's all so right. So I'm, I'm going to ask it then. Um, so Bri kind of he, – he's changed our format. Usually when we had the question, it was this this template question that we have to ask. And Bri has thrown it for – That's what I do. For this Magnum PI grudge match thing that he's got going on, I've been on a Magnum um, PI kick. What can I say? I know. I follow know. Jay you Farber really on Twitter. I will. Me. One second. I'm sorry. Uh, follow him on Twitter because he's doing an episode by episode live tweet every time he's watching. It's he's I think oh, he's cool. hundreds of posts in now, but it's okay. worth reading. I'm in. Jay's the man. I'm sorry. Carry okay. On. No. So basically, the question is: is if um, and we ask this to everybody who comes on the podcast, just because the answers are always so interesting. Um, if if you you were given the opportunity to write any licensed IP in existence, could be a TV show, uh, could be pre existing comic characters, any 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 IP that has just been created over the you know whatever the last hundred years or three hundred years, I don't care. What would you pick, and how would you do it? That is a horrible question to ask me. Uh, (laughs) You are a monster, sir. Um, We usually we get we get really interesting answers. That's why I mean we had one someone say the Munsters. uh, Oh, that's interesting. James Uh, James Asmus, his uh, was was it Quantum Leap? Quantum Leap. Yep. Yep. Yeah, which was his concept was really interesting. Mark Russell picked uh, Superman. And, and then it kind of turned out to be the no. Superman it was the it was he was the exact pitch for the first issue of Superman Space Age. So okay. it, was, it was pretty cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. So in terms of just pure superhero characters, uh, the character at DC I most wanted to do, um, and I got a couple opportunities to to write him, uh, but ironically, not in his his home book, um, was uh, Superman. Mm. Um, first comic i ever bought with my own money was an issue it was a it was like a whitman or it was it, was, it had the whitman distribution bug on the cover um and on the cover it's superman inside and kind of like this cell with like electrified bars trying to punch his way out while the villain of the story is kind of cackling outside it's right. the master jailer of course um, i forget what the issue number was um that was the first comic i ever bought with my own money and i bought it in the hospital gift shop of the hospital where my grandfather was dying. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to bring down the room for a second. Sorry, guys. Uh, and uh, I found a lot of comfort in that issue because at the end of the day, you know, Superman is going to be there and he's going to make everything all right. Yeah. Um, and then young child Eric really needed that at that moment. Yeah. Um, I mean – with adult eyes, I'm reading it and realizing that the reason the Master Jailer hates him is that Superman shows up and turns him into a chump every chance he gets. So he's bitter and angry. He's like, but at the time, I wasn't capable of finding that nuance. Um, sure, sure. And uh, just as an interesting, well, to me, interesting aside, um, the point of view character in the first issue of Checkmate, the first DC comic I wrote, mm-hmm. Checkmate number 17, was Carl Draper, the Master Jailer. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. And uh, 
I was I, I found that hugely satisfying. Um, that was that was the story that got me the gig. Um, because Greg had asked me at the time, well, if you were going to do anything, what would you want to do? And I said, yeah. well, I have a question, right? So Checkmate in this iteration um, is made up of human, you know, normal human and metahuman characters right. from across the spectrum of nationalities and intelligence agencies, right? You know, um, he's like, yes. And their headquarters is this giant castle in the Alps that no one will have any trouble finding. Right. Correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. So why is the location of this headquarters um, not public knowledge or in the hands of every criminal um, and terrorist organization in the world? Why is the castle not constantly under siege? And he got this look on his face like, I hate it when people ask me questions <laughs> I haven't thought of. Uh, and that was his answer. It's like, I really don't know. It's like, but I do. And here's why. Uh, Checkmate recruited the master jailer and is reforming him. And his job is to keep the castle safe from all these attacks. So it is constantly under attack. But you never see it because the master jailer is using all of his crazy traps That's and devices fantastic. to save yeah. Checkmate. Um, and uh, – I That's think awesome. that that answer not only impressed Greg, but it, it uh, impressed uh, the then editor of the book, Joan Hilty, um, and uh, got me kind of permanently added to that title while Greg was on it. So that's that was, great. Uh, that's cool. So Superman would definitely be my superhero answer. Yeah. Um, okay. Toss up between James Bond or classic Star Trek for non no. comic book stuff. I I, would, I got a good James Bond story in me. Okay. Um, Who's and doing James? Is that Boom or Dynamite? Dynamite's got it. Um, okay, we you know you've done some Dynamite stuff, right? Like uh, I have. Get um, in there. You could sneak I, in there. Some <laughs> Bond. How do I put this? Not for the page rates they pay, and not for uh, you no know, yeah. royalties and stuff like. I, I was happy with the time I spent doing work for Dynamite. I, I don't sure. want to sound like I'm sure. bagging on them. Uh, and to his credit, Nick is the only publisher who has ever voluntarily offered to open up his books so I could see how a book was doing. Oh wow! Um, oh wow! So I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful, um, but there's just a point where I know I don't move the needle enough to command what the, their their top rate is, uh, yeah. and I can't afford to write for what's not their top rate. <laughs> so fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, isn't that? I mean, I think the more and more I talk to other creators, it seems like, as much as I hate to say it, that's starting to become that's that's a constant narrative I keep hearing. Especially as you know, you get older and stuff. You're like, you know, in your 20s and even in your 30s, you're willing to, like, yeah, I'll do that for, yeah, what x amount of money. Yeah. But then it you know kind of gets to the point where like the pavement's got to hit the road. You know, you've, you've got bills. You need to make your way through the world as an adult. Yep. And um. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't really shy away from that too much here on the podcast. I don't know if that's probably um, to the detriment of my career or whatnot, but, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, it pisses me off, if I'm being honest. It really does. I hate seeing creators struggle financially, especially yeah. when they're working on um, household brands. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, and yeah. like I said, I, I, I am not ungrateful. Um, when things sure. were getting weird at D.C., um, when Paul Levitz left and there was a big management shakeup and big editorial shakeup and it felt to me at the time that uh, nobody really knows where we're going. Right. And yeah. edit- editors were closing ranks in weird ways like the Superman side of the house wasn't talking to the Batman side of the house and a lot of the titles I was working on. I kind of needed information from both sides because I'm not working on either one, but I'm in the same space. So, like, what characters are available? What characters aren't? Like, right. nobody was talking to anybody, and it was super strange. And it yeah. just made me feel like nobody has a map. Nobody has their hands on the wheels. And then the new 52 came out, and clearly they didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, and so I, I, I made a conscious decision to just kind of stop pitching. Uh, Brandon Jerwer and I had been asked to uh, to pitch – uh, Suicide Squad? No, Birds of Prey. It was Birds of Prey. Okay. Um, lingerie models, you know, as international spies kicking butt seemed like something we could do. Yeah. And then we found yeah. out, like, well, you can't really talk about being asked to pitch this because the guy who's currently got the job doesn't know we're firing him. And that felt weird. And then we found out, like, two <sighs> other people were being asked to pitch. And it was like a bake-off. And, yeah. every, and the editor who was in our corner, mm-hmm. to her credit, um, whenever the marching orders were changing internally, 
she was feeding us this information. That's nice. So we could adjust our pitch. But yeah, but like these pitches weren't just for like a few issues. They were like, give us a, like a three month, a six month and a 12 month pitch. Wow. Right. Um, and it ended up being like a 40 page document that we had to rewrite like a oh. dozen times. It took forever until Brandon and I both went like, we've written like hundreds of pages of pitch. We were no closer to getting the job. Yeah. We're yeah, clearly yeah. being used. And that's perfect- the thing. People don't, I think outsiders a lot outside the industry don't realize like when you're pitching stuff, you're not getting paid for that. Stuff. Yeah. Well, we got paid. We got paid to kill. Oh, you did? Said, oh, wow, oh yeah. Great. Yeah. We got, we got to split a hundred bucks for, oh. for, uh, hundreds of pages of, of pitch material. Um, there you that, go. that was where I was like, yeah, I, I got to do something else. So I'm getting paid a fraction of what I'm getting paid right. at DC to go work for dynamite. But the editor at dynamite, um, Joe Rybant, uh, nice guy, uh, easy yeah. to work with. Um, not a lot of feedback, right? Like I was constantly getting um, pushback on concepts and, and feedback on what I'd done from the DC side of stuff. We'd show it was kind of like playing tennis against drapes. You'd send it yeah. over the net and just nothing would come back. Other yeah. than, That's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't care if it's good. I, I just want it to be done because everything's late. And it's, you know, and yeah. I mean, I, that's a, I'm being glib, but uh, sure. yeah, certainly I wasn't just turning in any old crap i was working really hard on this stuff um sure sure but, definitely. Uh, you know there's just a point of diminishing returns where it's just like i i sort of got told i was writing vampirella i wasn't really invited to it oh um, nice <laughs> and uh you know joe was just kind of like yeah no you're gonna do this I'm like uh, okay yeah have you read my work because i don't i don't think you, i'm the guy for this that you think i am um and whatever he he let me do basically what i wanted like they'd spent a lot of money on the property and the first thing i did was change your visual identity and stuff but part of that was well you want to push this into film and tv i think you're going to have an easier time attracting a quality right. actress if she doesn't have to do all of this in a, a space thong and cosmic go-go boots right that's like, fair yeah um and i would you say that that's probably one of the reasons why you haven't seen vampirella make that transition into film well you know there was the the talisa soto versus roger daltrey as a vampire version from the early 80s but yeah that's true. yeah um no i think that's probably a, a major component of it um that yeah. and vampire oversaturation at the time but uh yeah so i i don't know it's like i said i was grateful for for dynamite but at this point like yeah they've got some properties i'd love to work on but uh i just i i <laughs> I don't have the energy to take a flyer and do, well, I love this character. Um, so I'll do a ton of work for not a lot of money right? or I can work on something that I own a piece of, uh, always better. So right. yeah, yeah. Right. You guys know, right. Yeah. Like that's, I, I, there's, there's a certain comfort in knowing that like, I'm not answering to a lot of masters on this one and that feels great. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think we're, I know that I'm kind of uh, getting kind of pegged for time. Okay. So uh, what do you say I, uh, I take us home? Yeah, take us home. All right. All right, Tiger Cubs. Uh, you know that the best place to uh, find everything Blue Tiger related is on our Substack page. That's bluetigerrevenge.substack.com. Uh, all of our episodes, all of our Operation Blue pages, everything you can find there. You can subscribe. It's free. You'll just send an email to you every time we have a new episode, a new page that comes out. Uh, you can also find us, you know, everywhere. Any iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts are at, uh, we're there. Um, Want to thank Eric. Thanks, man, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me here. Have yeah. a good time. Uh, make sure that you go in and, and, and order The Forge from Image Comics. Uh, if you're local... Come on March fifteenth for the uh, for the signing and get a get a signature from uh, uh, the, the the co owners of the property. Um, and yeah, man, where creative can team. the creative team? Yeah, where can where can folks find you? Uh, my my website is uh, erictroutman.us. I don't have a .com. Somebody's still squatting on that. Uh, it's e r i c t r a u t m a n n dot com. Um, and, uh, I'm Mercury Eric on Twitter while there's still a Twitter. Um, I'm just kind of enjoying watching it all crumble in <laughs> right. dust. Um, and, uh, uh, my name, Eric Troutman on Facebook will bring you to my, my writer page. Perfect. And, and, you know, also you can find him at, uh, Gabby's Olympic cars and comics, the best comic shop in the Northwest. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm, uh, I'm usually tucked away in the back corner behind a do not disturb sign whimpering in the dark, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you find other great stuff here. Yes. Uh, you know? Yeah. 
Yes, this place is fantastic. You should it come is. and check it out. My it wife is. has built an amazing shop. She has. She, and a community. Yes. Not only that, but a community. So uh, I know that I, outside of my home, and this is probably where I spend the most time at, outside of my house. So uh, I'm thankful that you guys are here. Thank so you. I feel like I should stress, too, that uh, when, when people say I co-own the store. I guess legally I do, but like yeah. I, I show up and I move boxes around yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like this is this is definitely the labor of, of love. For Absolutely. And like yeah. when we say she built the place, the building we're we're in now, um <laughs> she uh she had hired a contractor to build it. Um we had a certain time we had to be out of our last property because it was a rental. We own this. Um or we'd have to float another year lease. And so the contractor yeah. knew that, agreed to take the job, went to Japan for three months and then quit. So oh my gosh. she got her contractor license, hired a crew. And when I say like <laughs> she built the place in a hard hat up in scissor lifts, putting in the roof trusses, she has scars on her ankles from the concrete that got in her socks when she was pouring the ca- concrete slab. Like she and her team built this place. I can only wreak havoc with tools. I did nothing. Yeah. Um, that would be me too. I, I did the laundry and the dishes. Well, so she yeah. could do this. Um, <laughs> and, and I got to be honest, that doesn't surprise me one bit. No, not one bit. No. So, She's very type A. I'm very type. I'm going to hide in my office. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this place is. Uh, I, I can. I have my biases, obviously, but yeah. uh, I used to run a comic shop back east. I've been in all sorts of comic shops I, all over the country, and there's nothing like this. No, else. I go. I I make it a point to go to new new shops every time I travel somewhere, and I'm I'm always up and down the I five corridor too, you know, and I. I go to a lot of comic shops, and uh, there's a lot of great ones out. Here. There is, but this one's the best. So. Um, I am inclined to agree. Sir. Yeah, but Tad will tell you. I, I tell every, anybody who comes on the podcast. I, I tell them. So excellent. Um, we appreciate it. Yeah, but Tad, do you have? That's all I have, man. Do you have anything else? I do. Oh. Uh, this coming weekend is Emerald City Comic Con. Oh, I will be there. Bry will be me, with me as well. We will be in Artist Alley at uh, L eighteen. Eric, will you be attending? Emerald City by any chance? I will not. I haven't done shows in a long time. Partially because when I switched over to doing more graphic design stuff, nobody wants to buy their book from the guy who picked the font color. (laughs) Um, So there's not a lot of of ways for me to recoup the expense of doing a show. Um, So I just stopped doing it. Completely understandable. But but it's a great show, and I've done it many times, and so I would commend your listeners to attend. Yeah, it's a great show. Um, I will be selling for the first time uh original pages from uh cretaceous so uh if you're a listener of this and you perchance may have read the book which i know a lot of you have and you're going to be in the seattle area this is going to probably be your only chance to get actual uh pen and ink pages so of good good dinosaurs so Yes, thank you, Brian. You're welcome. You like my description. Yeah. And the, good, good dinosaurs. And uh, yeah, and then I'll have some other stuff, turtles and some of the uh, independent projects I've been working on this last uh, you know, year or two. I'll have pages for that, those as well. But yes, come on by. And that, that's all I got. All right. Well, if that's the case, what time is it? Hit the music.